Welcome to the Kayla Ambrose Show. I'm your host and your travel guide to the other side, Kayla Ambrose. My website is exploreyourspirit.com and I invite you to go check it out. Subscribe to my free newsletter so you'll get all the information about every show coming up as well as my online classes, books I've written, and other things I'm up to. Please also, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. Okay, let's get on with this week's episode. I'm going to continue to talk a little bit about things in the mystery schools, what we're taught in the ancient mystery schools, but also how they apply in the modern day world of today. Some of the most famous mystery schools were in ancient Egypt and ancient Greece. The ones in Egypt were really heart-centric. They understood that the heart, the heart chakra, the path of Anahata was important in every way to understand being a human, being compassionate, being aware, being awake, being empathetic and understanding. And through the heart chakra, all things are understood that we're all one, one energy, one light, and working together and trying our best. But the progress continues from there. The evolution goes forward. If we look at the heart chakra and the body, there are still the higher chakras to go. And so the Greeks focused on a different part of the mystery school teachings. Now, all the mystery schools, wherever you went, and I've studied it several, eventually they cover all the topics. But some were known more as masters of certain topics. Same way you might go to an Ivy League school, one might be known more for pre-law, and another one might be better known for medicine or tech. They all teach these subjects, but some have become distinct masters in different fields. So in the Greek mystery schools, they became masters of the mind, of the philosophy, of deducing the art of what the mystery schools call discernment. And this means what is being done to you, what is being done at you, what is being done for you, and what is being done to you. (laughs) So is it for your benefit or not? And that's where the discernment comes in. This was discussed back in ancient Greece, and it was known as the art of persuasion. The Greeks really understood rhetoric, and they understood elocution at the highest standards for understanding how to be persuasive. Whether they were holding their trials, whether it was politics, whether it was just a debate, these art of persuasion was really taught So that the prosecution and the defense understood that that's how you get your point across in the most animated and strongest way. The Greeks might be the best known for teaching that, for uh, how every debate, argument, trial, the most persuasive is the one who usually wins. Aristotle explained this. He taught it uh, in three basic elements. The first was ethos, which was the credibility, the knowledge, and the expertise, 
and the authority of the person who is, is doing the persuading. The second is the logos, the appearance of logic, reason, and cognitive thinking. And the third was pathos, the appeal to emotions, the non-cognitive, non-thinking motivation that often affects the decisions and the customs more than anything else. These three things broken down into modern terms, what we call them today are credibility, logic, and emotion. And when you can bring all these into your art of conversation, then you become very persuasive. These three things then allow you to have influence, which is where you're delivering a message and people want to hear it. They allow you to step into your personal power, which is your ability to, to speak and explain the knowledge you have and for people to understand that as confirmed information. And motivation, which shows you know how to connect with people and help to uh, motivate them into wanting to hear what you have to say and possibly taking action after hearing what you want to say. In a nutshell, this is what the ancient Greeks taught. Now, in the mystery schools, we look at this deeper. So, in the ancient Greek mystery schools, they understood this and that you had to have discernment. And the mystery schools look at things a step deeper. Now, the Greeks themselves, as a highly advanced society, they looked at this and how it could best work for their politics, for their society, for trials, right? For getting the job done. We study these things to understand deeper the psychology of humanity. What makes people do what they do? how people are affected, and then to show them how they possibly are being controlled or affected or seduced, as today's topic is, the power of seduction, which is seduction is also persuasion. And so in the mystery schools, we look at all these things that are part of our society, our culture, and we look at them within ourselves and say, Am I being influenced and am I not aware? Because the goal is to be conscious. The goal is to be awake. The goal is to realize what's happening to you on a daily basis and how you're being affected by it. And do you even know that you're being affected by it? And so this is why we're going to look at the power of seduction today. Seduction at its core is power. It's persuasion. It's persuasive. And that doesn't mean that it's bad. Yes, there are people who are seducers. There are reasons at times for seduction. But it doesn't always have to be a negative thing. It can be light magic used for good or dark magic used for bad. And it really all has to do with what is the intention uh, behind the person doing it and what is the outcome look like for each person. So to understand that uh, seduction is used in your life in every way possible, it's in marketing, it's in selling, it's in explaining, it's in advertising, it's everything that happens to you every moment of the day. 
this seduction of persuasion is always speaking out to you. How will you look and feel if you buy that suit, if you wear that dress, if you drive that car, if you live in that house, if you have that view, if you're with that person, if you have that perfume or jewelry or makeup, you name it. We are constantly being seduced in every way, in advertising, in magazines, TV, TV shows, our peers, school, work, what we see, even on the news, everything is seducing us. Don't miss this live at five. We're going to find out this. Tune in now. So-and-so breaks the secrets of what's really going on behind doors at, you know, all the hooks for news, cliffhangers. Don't miss this episode. Next week, this happens. So some people become very powerful seducers to use other people and get what they want. Uh, you know those type of salespeople. You've encountered them and you've seen them do their best or do their worst, depending on what they're selling. But it's not always a negative thing, like I said. And it's not even always a sexual thing. Some people think uh, the power of seduction is just in a relationship. And that's not the case. Certainly dating is seductive. Flirting is seductive. But so is self-confidence. Believing in yourself and selling the best parts of you can be seductive as well. and But that's done in a more lighthearted, light magic way. So is persuasiveness. You could be persuasive with your parents, with a friend, someone you know, and say, look, would you just try this? Would you just try this thing? I'm telling you it's great. It helped me. It could really help you. I just want you to at least try. Just try one. You could mean that with the best intention and really wanting to sincerely, you know, to help. And so when you do that, you're being persuasive, but it's with good intentions. To be seductive is to be charming. It's to know the power of woo, to know how to woo, when to woo, to be the woo. Seduction is confidence. There's no fear. There's no fear of rejection. People that stand in their power are confident and they know they just have something they want to share and they understand if the person says no, that that's okay. Now, if they're a salesperson, they'll tell you it's a numbers game, that there's enough people out there, you just keep going until you find the ones that are interested in the product you have. If they're a player with dating, they'll tell you the same thing. It's a numbers game. They keep running their game until they find the person that likes what they're putting out there and grabs hold of it. They don't see it as a win or lose. Rather, I just haven't explored it with the right person yet. That, again, is not necessarily bad. It depends on what the outcome is. Let's say the outcome is just to seduce a person to sleep with them. And you're not being honest. You're not telling them that. You're not telling them you don't want a relationship or that you don't want to date, that you're just looking for something tonight. And if you seduce without being upfront about that, then that's dark energy, that's dark magic. That's seducing someone to do something 
without being honest and letting them understand what all of it's about. If you're truly confident, you never have to lean towards uh, the dark side of it. You're confident in who you are and that uh, a person would see that. And if they're so agreeable, would want the same. So let's just say it's in a relationship like that where you have two people who are both seducers and they both want the same thing, a one night stand. They're not looking for a commitment. They're looking just, you know, for something that night. They both could do everything the same, be seductive, be, um, maybe they bought drinks all night. They engaged in witty conversation. They were just the right amount of empathy and a good listener and a good conversationalist. And maybe they flirted enough and touched the person lightly enough to let them know they're interested. And so all the signs and signals are being sent there the same. I'm interested in you. I would like to take this further this evening to be together. The only difference is the one who is confident will express that in order to get consent. They will say, I'd love to spend the evening with you. I'd love to spend the night together. I'm not looking for anything else beyond that. If this appeals to you, I would love to take you home and show you what I can do. And the person who's not as confident feels like they can't put their cards on the table, that they can't be honest, that they have to trick the person into it. And so they become the dark magic, the dark energy of the seduction, where they keep saying these things in the person's head to persuade them that it's a good idea. Oh, you look tired. Why don't you come home with me? Oh, you know, you look like you could stand a, a massage. Oh, um, you know, it's late. You probably shouldn't drive home. It's more of a seduction trying to talk into all the reasons of why for the person's best interests, they need to go home with them without really explaining what the end result is going to be the final big picture result. They might persuade them to come home and let's have a bottle of wine. Let's drink more. Let's do more to confuse your thought process and confuse your rational thought. And so we see this art of seduction, power of persuasion over and over and over used. You can see it in advertising. You can see it in influencers, whether it's on social media or otherwise. Are people confident enough to be open and honest about it? Or do they have to twist the story more and more and make it based in a fear? Now in marketing, they teach this in two ways. There is push marketing and there's pull marketing. And push marketing is you incite fear. You incite fear and so you make people run until they feel, feel comfortable. If you've ever seen a herd of cows, they kind of stay together in a herd grouped around um, and will eat grass together and kind of stay clumped together for safety. They're, that way they're always kind of looking around them to see what's going on. And you've heard talk in the mystery schools about, are you part of the herd? And the herd is often referred to like that is one who's not really 
being very self-aware, not thinking for themselves, kind of relying on the herd mentality. If the herd seems calm, then things must be calm. If the herd seems upset, something bad's happening. So they don't want to do a lot of thinking for themselves. They kind of just want to chill, be in the herd. If the herd's good, it's all good. Well, the problem with herd mentality a lot is a lot of people that are in the herd, that's their thought process too. So the herd can be easily aroused, easily seduced, easily scared, easily manipulated. There's stories shared with cows where one cow gets spooked. Uh, maybe a bee lands on it and stings it. Or it steps on something sharp and it hurts their foot. Or it hears something that spooks it. Or a million little reasons that's not a threat to anyone else. But something spooks the one cow. And that cow makes a noise, jumps around a little bit, takes off running. And the rest of the herd, without thinking or looking around, they just know if one of us gets scared, we need to all be scared. And so the herd takes off running after the one cow. And not only that, they'll follow that cow, thinking somehow that cow has more advanced information. That cow has somehow become now the expert. So we better follow this expert who appears to be running in authority. Remember, we're going back to those ancient Greek terms. And they seem to be leading the way. And they're expressing a lot of emotion with this. So they must be the one in charge. Quickly, let's follow them. Save yourself. Everybody, run, run, run. Something terrible is happening. Run. And so the herd will run like that until that cow that ran tires itself out or is over whatever was causing it pain or fear and it settles down and then the rest of the herd slows down around it. And now that cow seems calm and is back to eating grass and they're like, okay, danger must be over. This must be a good spot. We live here now. This is our place. This is where we're free from danger. So that same herd mentality is created. And because we are social creatures, we like to be in groups. We like to join together and we like to talk to each other and to try to blend in together and be part of a herd. So when a couple people in the herd that you're in, your group, when they start wearing a certain type of clothing and they come across very, this is, you're not wearing these, everybody's wearing these. This is it. This is the thing. Then you might f f find yourself falling into peer pressure where, yes, you want to wear that. Now, that may not be a bad thing. Maybe you've asked for a makeover and you want to look more fashionable. And so you've asked people like, hey, I think uh, I want to look more trendy and fashionable. Can you help me? And that person says, sure, I'd love to help you. I love fashion. It's my thing. Happy to give you a makeover or show you some fun things to buy. That is light magic. That is, you want to look different. You asked people in your group who have that ability, can you help me? Or I want to fix up my house. Or I want to know how to negotiate better to buy a car. Or Anything you might ask if you ask a person for help. 
if you ask someone for help and they're willing to help you to show you how to be stronger and more persuasive with what you want, that's a good thing. That's light magic. That's persuasion, seduction at its best. When it's not as its best is if you're in that herd and they're like, uh, no, we don't want you anymore because you don't think the same way we do. You don't believe in the same religion we do. You don't look like we look. You don't dress like we dress. If they're making you feel bad for being different, that's that's when it's used for persuasion in the wrong way, to try to control, to make you feel less than. Not to help you or to help you be your best self or help you grow if you're ready to grow. Instead, they're trying to slow down the growth, stop evolution, and have you just agree with what they want you to agree with. It's a fine line, but you know it when you see it. And sometimes when you're in it, you don't know. It takes a while to catch on. And it's nothing to feel bad about if you find yourself like that. Because it's easy to have happen. It's a slippery thing to, to slip into. But one day you look up and you look around and you're like, what am I doing with these people? These are not really my people. They don't love me like I need to be loved. They don't cherish me. They don't lift me. They don't support me. Um, they just want me to think like they do. And they want me to put down other people who aren't like us. You'll find this a lot in religions and very um, conservative groups like that. Where there's no room to just be you. So if you find yourself in that herd mentality... You want to pull free because the herd runs and gets everybody to step into fear. We're seeing this a lot right now with the news, with media, with politics, with group beliefs. And it feeds the fear and it grows bigger and bigger. And they find these people who are extremely persuasive, but are also fear mongers. They're the ones who are using dark energy to sell. Everything bad is going to happen. This problem right here can only be fixed by one person and one person alone. And all these bad things are going to happen unless you believe, just like we believe. Don't open your mind. Don't open up to other people or listen to other people's thoughts or engage in other conversations with an open mind. Don't let the facts confuse you. Just, you know, continue to believe what we believe. This is part of what's going on in the world right now where people are aligned with one hardcore belief or another and don't want to hear anything different. And instead of listening maybe to, to other arguments or thoughts and being open-minded to hear other points of view, which might then lead to a, an answer or a solution that hasn't even been considered before. Instead of that happening, it's just doubling down and digging in to believe one way or the other. That historically in society has never delivered anything good. It's only led to um, war, infighting, struggle, separation, and intense pain within cultures and groups. When we have an open mind 
and we can gather and respectfully have differences of opinion and share them respectfully, everything opens up. When more and more people gather from all walks of life, from all points of view, and can brainstorm and share the best of the best is what shines and is what rises to the top. Essentially, if you think about what is the American dream, the original American dream was give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. Think to what the Statue of Liberty says. The American dream was anyone who was willing to work and work hard from any walk of life, from any culture, was welcome to come and to participate and to share. And the great melting pot that this country became has led to most of the success of this country. The ideas that were brought by so many different minds who had seen things done differently in their part of the world and were willing to share it instead of just being from one society, one culture, one thought, one mind. This is how we've always done it. So this is how we're always going to do it. And then we wonder why we're always getting what we always got, whether it's good or not. We couldn't even conceive of being better because we were too busy shutting down our minds and our uh, ability to think outside the box. And whenever a society does that, they start to decline. And so what we were best known for is being a melting pot, bringing in people everywhere to share, to discover, to make art and music and design and philosophy and technology and ingenuity. This is the concern right now. This is the power of seduction. This is the art of persuasion. Who and what is doing the art of these things right now? Who is trying to persuade us so hard to believe in one thing or another? There's always a dark way, and it's always manipulative. In TV shows, they used to put laugh tracks in them because it was believed, and it's true, when people watch a show and there's a laugh track, it makes other people think they should laugh too, or that it's funnier than it really is. And the thing is, if something's really funny, you don't need a laugh track. You will laugh. There also became the competitiveness of what others are doing, trying to keep up. Magazines with news and then other ways of sharing that news. What are people doing and how do I keep up with them? And social media, it all started with liking something. How many likes did you get? Did you get enough likes on that thing you posted about your day, your work? All became down to that. And also scarcity has always been a big one. There's not enough. Act now. We're almost sold out. Only 200 are left. Get it now before it's gone. The sell ends tomorrow. Scarcity is always one that works with the human psychology to get people to jump on something. Another one is being an expert. Experts claim this is the way to go. Two out of three experts say this is the one. These are when we deal with fear. You're going to lose out. 
You're not going to get the best. You're Someone's not going to like you. Someone will say, what are you doing? Because you're not doing it like the others. These are all ways to lower self-esteem and to put on more pressure and to make the person feel less than. Versus when we use these same terms, but in a light magic way, they're used for things like training, inspiring, a great coach who helps an athlete visualize seeing themselves winning, or any type of coach, life coach, spiritual coach, helping someone to see where their life could go and be, inspiring them to be more. Belonging to mastermind groups, where you're with a group of people who aren't trying to influence you or scare you into something, but are trying to open your mind to see and dream and believe all that you can be. That is a light magic way of doing this work. It has to do with groups for encouragement, to raise energy, to make everyone feel heard and seen and valued, and to know you're not alone. To know there are others facing the same things you are, but they don't expect you to be or act exactly like they do. That you can be you, but you still have a place to express yourself versus the other, which is fear and conformity. Maybe that's the difference between being in a tribe versus a cult. Cults are sometimes thrown out as words as like these strange groups of people that belong to something mysterious. But in a lot of ways, mainstream religions are really cults. They tell you when to meet, what to say, how to pray. Here's the rules of what to do and not to do. Here's how to be. Here's how to dress. Here's how to act. Here's how to talk. Here's what to do on certain days. Here's when you come back on certain other days. Here's what you do. And in almost instructions of what you should see, do, speak, think, emote. Versus tribes gather. And they gather, though, in a looser way of come take part. Bring something if you'd like. Partake if you'd like. Be there if you'd like, and if you don't, that's okay too. It's more of a come and go. Be yourself, but we'll share tips on how to be an even better version of yourself if you'd like to be. If you'd like more, here's some information, how to grow or evolve. But there's no pressure to do so. And you won't not be part of the tribe if you're not at that expectation. So, again, very similar descriptions, but one takes one direction and the other goes the other way very quickly. The thing is, most everyone is born with the power of seduction, with the art of persuasion. You even see it in children. They'll learn very quickly. How can I manipulate? How can I work mom and dad? to get them to say yes to what I want. How can I get them to agree to this? Do I wear them down? Do I use peer pressure with my siblings? Do I strengthen my argument? Do I use my emotions? Do I pout? Do I repeat it incessantly? Do I look cute? Do I explain how much it would mean to me? Do I cry? Even children learn 
how to do these things. It's part of what makes us human, how to get our point across, how to explain if something is truly important to us and what it means. So it's not something to not have. It's not something to eradicate. It's something to understand on a deeper basis and to become more conscious and aware about it. All things sold have persuasion in them and a bit of seduction. Who doesn't want to feel great in a certain outfit or get their hair done or makeup and know that product's going to make them look amazing? Who doesn't want to feel like they could look their best or buy something that's going to make them feel great? That's part of selling. That's part of explaining. The only difference is learning discernment and knowing what is the motive behind the motive. And this is what the mystery schools teach. Ask yourself, whenever something is brought up to you, what is the motive behind the motive? Is the person telling you this to help you? Or are they trying to talk you into doing something they want? And many times, of course, they're selling to you. And that's okay. We get sold stuff to us all the time. But is it being sold to you because it's really good for you? Or is it just being sold to you? They're preying on your fears or your worries or your self-doubt. And so that you're being used as, as a pawn in that way because they know um, you don't have a lot of self-confidence. So if they tell you this, you're going to go buy it with the hope. And that's maybe you've known someone like that who you look in their bathroom and they've got 300 beauty products, right? So they're buying like that one beauty product. I forgot the company, but it's called Hope in a Jar. And that's what they're buying at that point is Hope in a Jar. That one of these is going to be the one that's really going to do for them what they wish it could, which make them look completely different than they do in some way. When, you, when you're going to that extreme, that's when you need to stop and look and say, what am I actually doing here when I'm spending that much money and I'm doing this much? Is it really going to fix this problem for me or do I need to look deeper and get into what's really got me down here? What's got me down where I feel like I need this this cream or this um, product to help me feel better about something else. That's the difference when you use discernment and you introspect and then you start to fix the problem from the inside out. And that's where the beauty comes from and the understanding and the intellect and where you can see truly what you need and what you don't need. Like all things, it's complicated. And this is just one tiny little example of how things are done at a, at a much deeper level when you study the mystery school. You learn about everything in life, psychology, philosophy, all the emotions, the thoughts, the power behind thoughts, why you think the way you think, why you were taught to think the way you think from your society, your culture, your family, your schooling, your education, your peers, everything, and how to undo some of that and find out which has been sticking to you and not helping you feel good, which you need to let go to lighten your load, which doesn't belong to you at all and was just impressed in your psyche because it was believed by other people in your life, and which is really you 
and which do you want to keep and which do you want to let go? And so we go through it piece by piece like this, untangling all those cords so that you can finally be free and be just the person you want to be. All right, well, I've gone over a little bit tonight and passionate by this talk, but I hope you've learned a little bit something about the power of seduction and the art of persuasion and how it's used uh, in good ways and and not sometimes. See you next week.